0: Want to read the uh, first fourteen verses, First Corinthians ten. I'll be reading from the New King James. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, And in one day 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. <clears throat> in, the, uh, in the last part of chapter 9, he is saying that I master my body. This is Paul. I master my body lest it master me. And that I, after having preached the wonderful gospel of salvation, would lose my own salvation and become a castaway, condemned to damnation. And then in, uh, in uh, the 10th chapter, moreover, brethren, he wants us to remember, let's be aware that people did fall away. Notice how all of Israel experienced God's presence and God's guidance. All of Israel experienced God's deliverance from Egypt. All of Israel became Moses' followers. They came under his leadership, under his authority and his guidance. They ate the supernaturally provided food, the manna. They drank that supernaturally provided water provided by the rock, Jesus Christ. All of these people, this great crowd, this multitude of Israel had these blessings and these benefits, all these provisions, all these protections, but with many of them, with most of them, with the great majority of them, God was not pleased. And their bodies were strewn across the desert. They never made it to the promised land. With the exception of Caleb and Joshua, remember in Numbers 14, it tells us that all those aged 20 and up, died in the wilderness. Only Caleb and Joshua in that category got into the promised land. And this is given as a lesson for us. It was, it was to impress them, the things that happened, uh, the circumstances that, were, that they found themselves in from time to time, those judgments that came on them were certainly lessons for them, but they were written for our admonition and for us. And they are summarized, the lesson is summarized in this warning in verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And he gives, before that, he gave us Five things that, that, five dangers, five warnings for, for all of us today, thousands of years after these things happened. In verse uh, 6, he says, Don't crave, don't long after evil things. Don't long after forbidden things. Don't prefer Egypt's food to the manna of God, like some of them did. Don't allow a fondness for the world's pleasures to to be greater than your, uh, that you'd be more fond of that than the things of God. In verse 7, don't be an idolater. Worshiping false gods, they did. Lift nothing higher than God. Let nothing become more important to you than God. Don't love anything more than God. Don't give more devotion to anything than God. Don't trust in anything more than God. Don't look for joy and satisfaction in something or someone other than God. In verse 8, neither commit fornication as some of them did. Sexual sin, immorality. And as was brought out in our Sunday school class, the... uh, our days are this, this age that we 're living in is is increasingly open and accepting of evil and the um, our society is is clearly sinking, and the sights and the sounds and the songs that that advertise and promote um Immorality and impurity are all around us. And we must guard our minds and our hearts. Not just from evil behavior, but from wrong thinking, from sinful thinking. Neither commit fornication. And in verse 9, neither tempt Christ by unbelief or lack of trust like they did, presuming upon taking the mercy of God for granted that His blood was shed for our forgiveness, but also for our deliverance, that that God came to make a way that we, in the sinful world, could live above sin, Don't be careless. In verse 10, neither murmur ye, he says. And he referred to the complaining, the discontent, and complaining of the the children of Israel, the grumbling and the ungratefulness. They grumbled over the authorities, That God had set over them. We don't want to do that. We must not do that. They grumbled over the circumstances that they faced. And we can do that. And complain against God. That's what Moses said they did. They weren't complaining about Moses. God told Moses. They were complaining. And disrespecting. God. We're to be grateful. We're to be thankful. And that brings us to the warning in verse 12. Don't be too self-confident. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Watch out. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak, Jesus said to the disciples. So watch out, take heed, lest ye fall. Uh, Not any of us have reached a place where we cannot fall. And that's why these warnings are given and this admonition shared. And then in verse 13, he has this to say, I'm back in the King James. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So temptation, trials, Um, the um, enticement to sin that's common to mankind. That's part of being human. That's ordinary. It's experienced by people. It should be an expected part of life. But this tells us, this verse tells us that God is faithful. He gives us an an encouragement Look at what God does, and God is trustworthy, God is faithful, he, will, he can be depended on, He can be absolutely counted on, in contrast with how we're to look at ourselves in verse 12, uh, to not trust ourselves, not be confident in ourselves. We have faith in God's power. We fear our weakness. Uh, Romans 8, 39 tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God and from the care of God. And Hebrews 13 says to us, God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So we have faith in God. We must have, he's encouraging us that God is trustworthy. We can trust him, but we must not trust ourselves and be confident that we're strong enough. And further, he says that this faithful God will not allow, will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are, what we are able to bear. God knows what we can handle. He knows where the tipping point is and He'll not allow greater than we can bear. He'll not allow us to face something that is beyond our strength, our faith. He's describing a filter that that He filters temptations, He restrains the tempter, He controls, He limits the type of temptation, the degree of temptation. So they're they're limited to our maturity and to uh, what we're able to bear, what we're able to handle. That's what this is saying. And He will make a way to escape. That you may be able to bear it. That he will provide. That there would be a way out. That he will show us how to escape the power. Of this pool, Of this temptation. So we're able to hold out. And be victorious. And sometimes he does that by showing us. The way, he shows us the door. That's what he showed Joseph. Joseph saw the door in that temptation in Potiphar's house and he fled. Or he can give, he can can provide for us the strength to endure. And there is an adequate supply provided for, for the temptation that we're in. Blessed is the man that endureth Temptation. It says in James, in either case, uh, that ye may be able to bear it, that ye may be able to be victorious. One thing that <clears throat> I believe is important, an important uh, qualification, I believe, to this promise, <clears throat> this way of escape that it is not a promise for those who are flirting with sin, that are longing after evil things. To those saying that, I just want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. I think those people who are living in sin and thinking that I can quit when I want to, I can just step off and away whenever I want to, I can claim this promise in First Corinthians 10, when I'm ready to, may find themselves disappointed. Because if they stay on that course, because... God, in Romans we read, is one example, one place, talking about people that were following sin, that at some point he gave them over to uncleanness in Romans 1. Another place, uh, just a couple verses later, that was 24 and 26, he says he gave them up to vile affections. Now those are pretty vile sins that he's referring to, actually, to homosexuality, but that they were trifling with sin and living in sin, and he gave them over to it. In Second Peter, it speaks of people... Well, let's just turn there. Second uh, Peter 2 and verse 20. 2nd Peter 2 and verse 20 For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ they are again entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning They again became entangled and overcome. And in the end, they were in a worse place than, than they had been to start with. Jesus, it tells us in Hebrews 4, verse 15, that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And I don't believe that that means that Jesus was tempted with every specific possible sin that you could list. But that in every area of carnality, he was tempted. Like First John 2, verse 16, where it talks about the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, just a broad summary there. But some sins become temptations to people only after other temptations have been yielded to. In other words, I don't think that Jesus was ever tempted to murder someone Because he never yielded to the temptation to hate, to despise someone. Was Jesus ever tempted with adultery? I don't believe he ever yielded to the temptation of lust. He never yielded to the temptation to covet. I'm sorry, he, he didn't. He never yielded to the temptation to be discontented and ungrateful to God. So was he tempted to covet in the true sense of covetousness Some sins uh, become temptations only after other temptations have been yielded to pointing these things out because we must we must look for the first. When the temptation comes, we look for the first escape. That's where God promises the escape. The first temptation. And I'm not insisting that it's not there at the second or the third. But the further we go, the harder it is to see it. And at some point, When we go away from God and are far farther from God, the desire grows weaker, our view of the escape is fuzzier, and God isn't there to help us in the same way that He is to a surrendered and committed uh, disciple who is walking in the fear of the Lord and remembering His Creator and obeying God from His heart, walking in the Spirit and crucifying the flesh. Those things that, that are part of being a loyal and faithful disciple. we can be uh, our uh there can be hindrances to our deliverance when there is a lack of surrender when we leave weights hanging remember how in in um hebrews he said to cast aside all weights that would hinder us and drag us down uh those those things can all affect how how uh, severely, how strong temptations are, and how uh, and, and how clear our path is to victory. When we pray in the Lord's prayer, lead us not into temptation. It's, it's not a demand that my life be spared all temptations, but that we could find deliverance, that we could be delivered, that God would uh, limit temptations and that he would help us see and find and, and take that way of escape. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. From the power of the evil one and for, from his evil purposes. You know, the devil, when he designs a temptation and brings a temptation to us, he has a plan. And his purpose is, uh, number one, to defeat us to bring us down, to discourage us, to bring us to the place where we despair and give up. That's what he would like to do, number one. Number two, he'd like to separate us from God. That's part of his purpose. That when we yield to sin, that we start following sin, it's separating us from God. Separating us from the blessings, the fellowship of God. The devil can't separate us from the love of God, from fellowship with God, but by our choosing, we separate ourselves. And finally, the devil's purpose is to bring us down to destruction. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. Now, God watches these temptations that come our way. And we've already noticed that He filters. He, he limits. But He also has a purpose in what He allows to, to come. They can be chastening. They can be strengthening as we are exercised thereby, as we, as we choose to do the right thing. We are strengthened by God's grace. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, we have a, a trial that came to, to uh, Paul in chapter 12 and verse 7. And this is how it says, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times that it would be taken away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That was the message of God. So this wasn't uh, a a temptation to to covet or to commit immorality or to steal or do something sinful like that, but it was a temptation to be discouraged, to be ungrateful, to be unsatisfied. And Satan uh, wanted to buffet him with it discourage him, make him less effective in his ministry, and maybe even to do like um, Job's wife uh, encouraged Job to do, just to curse God, complain to God. But God also had a purpose. And he wanted to Test Paul, he wanted to teach Paul that this difficulty is not bigger than I God am, and my grace is sufficient for you to handle this this uh, this weakness, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. Now Paul had to choose. And I believe that Paul clearly chose to, be, to benefit from the lesson. He chose right. He asked God, he prayed about it. He asked God for deliverance. God gave him grace and taught him that his grace is sufficient, that God's grace is sufficient. Therefore, he learned, he said, to take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities and persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, when I lean on God's grace, not my own, when I don't trust myself, but I trust God, then I am strong. So for other temptations that come our way. Then in verse 14 where we quit, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. Flee. Keep running. Keep running. Continually flee. The way of escape from a temptation is not the last resort And it's not finished, but it's the first reaction that we should have. The way of escape. Romans 13 verse 14. Make not provision for the flesh. Don't make it easy. Don't put yourself in the path of temptation. Remember in Proverbs, he warns there he warns there against a sexual sin and fornication in Proverbs 5 verse 8 it says keep yourself far from her don't go near her house stay far away even from the area of where she lives. And then in chapter 7, when he talks about the simple one that he saw from his window, the foolish young man, he says there that that young man, watch him. He describes it as he goes. And he went near her corner. He was first in his mind, but then he walked toward where she lived, the general neighborhood. And then he was at her house. And she came out, she was out, and she met him. And it was for his destruction. Make not provision for the flesh. Abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. 1 Peter two eleven. And this running, this fleeing from idolatry, is not a wild and senseless running, and purposeless running just to get away from something. Like a herd of frightened buffaloes stampeding off a cliff. It was a tactic that the Indians uh, used in the West. It's not jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Yes, it is a fleeing from, and there should be a fear. But victory is always in running toward someone. Towards safety, to security, to protection, to strength, to help in time of need. It is running to God. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And when we're tempted, flee, but we should turn and say, oh God, help, help me. There we find grace to help. Preserve me, O oh God, for in thee do I put my trust. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. I have called upon thee, for thou wilt hear me, O God. Psalm 17. We flee idolatry and we run to God. James uh, James 4. James 4 and verses uh, 7 and 8. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. First, we don't, just, uh, we don't just take this resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's a package. We start with submitting to God. Then we're in a place, in a position where we can resist the devil. We're in a safe place. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. We're in a place of safety where we can resist the devil and and find victory when there is a low flee temptation commitment and a slow draggy response time when we see temptation then the chance for failure goes up when there's a low desire a low hunger, low appetite for God and for godliness. The risk goes up. The risk of failure, the risk of falling goes up in whatever sin that we may be tempted with. God is faithful. God is completely dependable. God is wise, He discerns, He knows us. He knows what we need. He knows what we can handle. He has purposes. God is sovereign and powerful. We are safe when we are with Him. And the promise, the promise of escape, a way of escape, The promise, the way of victory is for those who take heed, those who shun evil, repent from evil, and run to God. And God is faithful. Joe, we have a closing song.